Hello, friends, and welcome to But I Digest. My name is Hans Rufert. I am Steve McDonough. You kind of paused there. Are you sure you're Steve McDonough? Do you have a little hesitation there? You know what I'm trying to do, Hans? Do you want to know what I'm trying to do? Yes. I think that when I say I'm Steve McDonough, it goes too quickly. And so you always go, I am Hans Rufert. So <laughs> I'm kind of trying to do, I'm trying out a new thing where I go, I'm Steve McDonough. And I'm not trying to be like, I'm not teasing you. I'm just trying to see if maybe that's a better way for an intro. I'm, I'm working <laughs> on it. And you know well, what you can good. do, folks? You can email us at butidigestpodcast at gmail.com. And you can tell me just how that worked for you, the Steve McDonough. Let us know how it's working. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like when you say your own name, like a hundred times, you start going, wait, what is this word? Is that my name? Like, what does it mean? Like it's, you hear your name so many times that it becomes this sort of abstract thing. But thank you all at, uh, whether you're in your car or in your home or mowing the lawn, thank you so much for joining us. If you are new to this podcast, we, uh, on each episode, we like to feature a specific food or a beverage or an ingredient. And then we unearth the seed pods of its history, we meet its international heroes, and then we smash it up into a glorious hoopla paste, and then spread it on some bread with a bit of jelly. And our topic mm. today is peanuts. Peanuts. Which, uh, yeah, I love me a good peanuts. peanut. And I, I, I have to tell you why we selected peanuts, because I am in um, sort of peanut country right now. I'm down in Foley, Alabama, which is not too far from Dothan, Alabama, and literally I pass by uh, fields, like rows and rows and rows of peanut plants uh, just today. So I am surrounded by peanuts here. In um, can, well, you're probably going to talk about this, but that leads me to a question. Is there like a a, a peanut season? When is, when um, is peanut season? It doesn't so, grow just all the time? No, it's, um, it's a crop that they rotate. And I will get into this, but the peanut festival usually happens in November because it's sort of late summer, early fall where they start harvesting them. So they, they plant, they grow it all, you know, at the, we'll get into some of that, but yeah, it's um, later. Yeah, I would think it would be constant. It's not like corn or something, you know? Nope. Right. Okay. uh, I mean, they're in the ground and it's warm. Yeah, they are in the ground, which is kind of what's cool about it. So uh, I know you love a good Latin name. So we're going to, as always, start with the Latin name of the peanut plant, uh, which is Ericus hypogea. So Ericus hypogea, which is a member of the Fabiaceae family of plants. And if you have been paying attention, oh, we've yes, we've about, done that. We've done that one. We have. Do you remember? Bonus points? No, but I know we did it. Well, what does a peanut kind of look like? Of all the shows we've done, think about the pod, kind of lumpy. We did a show uh, on d- tamarind. Tamarind, you got it. That's right. So tamarind is in that oh, yes. uh, same family. Yes. Very yes. good. Steve got some botany points. So, but basically that family is all the beans, right? The legumes. And, uh, but the name peanuts was not the original name. It has been called monkey nut, which I love. Uh, Pindar. Me too. Yeah, monkey nut. Uh, Pindar, goober, ground nut, earth nut, bambara, ground pea, and mani. Um, but uh, peanut is kind of the one we, we landed on. And uh, if you've ever seen the plant, it's this kind of short, shubby, it's not shubby. <laughs> I don't even know what shubby means. It's a, a short and shrubby plant uh, that really it's hard to recognize as a peanut because you never see the actual nuts, right? Because they are underground, uh, which I think is cool as can be. And they have this neat little thing where they send out these little shoots. They're called pegs. So after it flowers, it sends down these little pegs down into the ground. And that's where the fruit of the plant actually forms, which is, in this case, is the bean, uh, which, of course, brings you to the point that peanuts are not actually nuts, right? So it's, um, they're, right. yeah, they're beans, uh, which is why boiled peanuts are so delicious. And if you've they never are had boiled st- peanuts. All right. Are, are we going to have a fight right away? Oh, you don't like boiled peanuts? 
no 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 only only (laughs) only like it's a it's it's only because you were born where you were born that you like boiled peanuts the rest of the world is like what is this (laughs) well if you like beans how would you not like boiled peanuts i mean it just tastes like eating these kind of fun salty firm beans we're we're gonna have to God, I wish people could see your face right now. It really looks like uh, it's just... my boiled peanut face. You can picture it. <laughs> my, my boiled peanut face. Well, I uh, if you ever do real boiled peanuts where you take the raw peanuts and you boil them in salt water, I maybe not the road sign, the you know kind of side of the road, dark liquidy stuff, but real boiled peanuts are, are a good thing. I promise you. Somebody is going to back me up on this. It's good stuff. Um, a little weird. I get it, but. So the plant itself is really native to Central and South America. And just like with chocolate that we talked about uh, in our last episode with our buddy Nathan Lyon, it has kind of gone from Central and South America all over the world. And we see evidence of peanut cultivation and consumption as far back as 4,000 years ago. uh, And of course the Incas, and that's again with chocolate. And just like with chocolate, it made its way from South America over to Europe likely with the Spaniards because they were, you know, bringing all sorts of things back when they were uh, conquering the the new world. And from Spain, it ended up going into Northern Africa and then from Northern Africa coming to North America with the slave trade. See, I, before doing this research, I thought peanuts were from Africa because I'd heard that, that the, yeah. that the slaves, you know, early slaves were planting them and brought them with them. Um, and that is the case, but they made a route from South America to Spain to Africa to the U.S. So, okay. got probably on the same boat with uh, with chocolate. Well, who was the first idiot who boiled it? Uh, probably somebody from uh, Oglethorpe, James Oglethorpe's expedition to Georgia. <laughs> like, hot damn, <laughs> let's boil these things. Uh, maybe it prevents scurvy. That's that's right, uh, right. For the long voyage, you boil them. Yeah, in, exactly in right. Lime. All right. Well, we found uh, the graves of ancient Incan burial sites uh, that actually contained uh, ceremonial jars filled with peanuts that were buried with the dead to provide them food in the afterlife. So uh, it didn't. You know, peanuts are the best road trip snack. They are, you know. You know, (laughs) they keep well. Uh huh. Uh huh. You get that crunchy. You get the salty on your way uh, crossing the uh, the the River Styx or whatever. What have you? Yep. Ghosts are famous for loving boiled peanuts. Uh, And uh, I'm hoping that you can pull this cocktail recipe uh, from your your encyclopedia brain there. But uh, in central Brazil, there were tribes that made an alcoholic beverage where they fermented uh, ground peanuts and water and spices to make this sort of like, you know, the pre-tequila is called like pulque. I don't know if you've ever heard of pulque, but where they take the- Oh my God, I got so sick on pulque. It destroyed- my trip oh, no. to oh, no. oh my god because i was we were in mexico and we were we had, we took this uh, kind of just a, a, a i don't want to say a tour because it wasn't like a it was a local guy who took us on horseback and he brought us to this uh this uh what is what, what, what would you call like the the older um female uh house owner like the the dama da, what's yeah, the word i think that's right it, um is that the I'm, I'm saying the word wrong, whatever it is, whatever it is, it was her, it was her property. And they showed us where they got the pulque. Now, for, if you don't know pulque, you take the um, agave plant and you cut it and there's a liquid inside the agave plant and it is very lightly fermented. And so of course I was like, I need to taste that. I need to understand this. And so I kept sipping it going, I don't get it. And mm-hmm. I, so I, everybody else tasted it. I had like a glass or two trying to understand 
I try, just trying to understand it because I work so much with different spirits and alcohols. I got so sick because the thing that I didn't realize, I was so careful about drinking water in Mexico, but this agave plant was soaked with Mexican water constantly to grow. Yeah. It was not for this gringo <laughs> to drink a glass of it, and it destroyed my trip. Well, I hate to hear that. Well, if you ever go to central Brazil and they offer you a glass of the peanut version of pulque, maybe you should uh, shy away from that. Um, I've got but, a very delicate stomach. Well, lucky you. You got one more than I do. <laughs> you and your delicate stomach. So, uh, yeah, for, for folks who... Oh, it, yes. Yeah. I, I so said that to the wrong person. No, that's okay. For, for folks, if you're not in the inside joke here, I don't have a stomach, and that's a long story. You can go back and listen to earlier episodes. But anyway, so anybody... It's okay, because I'm going to have a soul. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So, so back to our, our circumnavigous route that the Peanuts uh, took. As I mentioned, it kind of came back over with the slave trade, which is always kind of that iffy thing to talk about. But um, they called, so the, the, in the Western Africa in particular, the name for a peanut was called Nguba, the letter N-G-U-B-A. It's so Nguba. And that's where the, the word goober came goober, from. Goober. Saw it. Saw it coming. Yeah, goober. And I went, no joke. In Jasper, I uh, there was a guy that went to our school whose God-given name was Goober. His name was literally Goober. Oh yeah, my god! I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Um, so uh, that you know, I like I like the nickname Goober. I guess it's I always thought of it as an insult, but there are people out there with the name Goober. Um, oh, kind of like I think yeah. that's kind of charming. Yes, that's very yeah, that's very North Georgia there. But um, so you know. In Africa, that was sort of the perfect growing conditions. And so here in the Southeast, also perfect growing conditions. It likes warmer weather. Uh, it likes kind of, it does well in poor soils. And it's used sometimes as a, as a rotation crop. Now that doesn't mean they plant it and they turn it 90 degrees. It's uh, crops like cotton tend to right. remove all of the nitrogen out of the soil, right? So it kind of leaves it a little, you know, barren. Uh, but peanuts are a nitrogen fixer, so they actually put nitrogen back into the soil. So during the kind of big explosion in the southeast here of cotton farms, everybody was after that cash crop, but then they were ruining the soil. So they planted yeah. peanuts as a secondary crop to kind of revive the soil. So I think that's kind of cool that yeah, yeah, uh, that we figured all of that out. Now, and that brings me. Sorry, to can I ask a quick question? Course, this is, this course. one's going to go so long with all my questions and my stories of pulque. <laughs> um, is soybeans also a rotation crop? It is most all of these legumes and the Fabiaceae, they um, they put the nitrogen back into the soil. So yes, most beans can be used as a rotation crop. We see that in um, Michigan that it is uh, alternate, maybe not every other year, but alternating between uh, the the farmers growing corn and soy. Yeah, it's it's smart land management, right? It's uh, if you're just doing one, it just it leaves it uh, dry and barren, and the soil just loses everything. So good idea to to rotate the crops. And one of the pioneers of this whole peanuts um, science is right around the late 1800s, early 1900s, was a guy named George Washington Carver. And I think we right. probably all learned about him in school, right? He's kind we of- did, yes. I, I didn't peanut. pay attention, but we did. I, I heard him <laughs> mentioned. Well, you heard George Washington, and so you're thinking the first president, and then they throw the Carver there on the end, and it kind of throws you on I, I had a flashcard, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, at some point. Well, he was really, he was like the- uh, uh, evangelical about peanut as a, as a crop, right? So uh, he really pushed, especially after the cotton 
harvest was ruined by a, a, an insect called the boll weevil. And it basically threatened the entire Southeast, right? So you've huh. heard of a boll weevil, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a great, uh, a great song by the presidents of the United States of America called Boll Weevil. It's worth listening to. Um, so he was uh, based in Tuskegee University in Alabama. wasn't from there originally, but also again, he's kind of a big, a big deal around here. And he was so passionate about peanuts, and he invented over 300 different products using peanuts, including things like laundry soap, shaving cream, uh, clothing dyes, fuel, industrial oils. I mean, it really is impressive. This man made every. It's almost like that uh, that scene in um, Forrest Gump. You know, you got Cajun shrimp, and we got yeah, you know, yeah. boiled shrimp. Well, I imagine George Washington Carver was like that with peanuts. We got peanut oil. We got peanut shaving cream. Anything and everything oh. made made with peanuts. But most people attribute him as the inventor of peanut butter. No, he did not invent peanut butter. He was a big fan of it. He he was a proponent of it. He developed breeds of peanuts that were better for. Uh, for making peanut butter, but we see evidence of peanut butter going again all the way back to the Incas. Uh, but their version of peanut butter was more like a mole, and I'm sure you know what a mole is, right? Sure. It's this kind of mixture of spices and sometimes nuts and sometimes um, you know herbs. Even it's chocolate. Like paste. It can be chocolate. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, so they did this kind of spicy paste um, uh, with with chili, and so that's not truly what again what we think of as peanut butter. Now, when the Dutch started kind of uh, doing a little bit of colonization in South America, they started a, uh, a country, which is still there, Suriname, uh, and they made something called pindacos. And pindacos literally was like peanut cheese. So they ground it into a paste, but then they kind of compressed it into blocks that they would either slice off uh, in, or cut them into wedges and eat that. So it was almost like if you imagine peanut butter that got really dried out yeah. and hard, it's, uh, yeah. that was their version of it. Um, but the actual patent for peanut butter um, comes from a guy in Canada. Uh, it was actually, the patent was filed in 1884 in Quebec by a guy named Marcellus Gilmore Edson. And uh, again, he was the first person to kind of officially say, this is what, you know, the real deal peanut butter. But then a decade later, a man that you have heard of, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, per the Kellogg yeah. family of cereals sure. and great sure. movie Road yeah. to Wellville. He uh, patented a process for making nut butters in general, including peanut and almond and, and any, you know, any of those nuts. Uh, and he, being a health nut, uh, was a serious advocate for peanut butter, especially for the elderly or the inferred or people that uh, just needed some a healthy source of protein. And Dr. Kellogg was famously vegetarian. And so that was one of his main uh, kind of proteins was using peanut butter, which I do the same thing. When I was going through treatment, I was eating sometimes a half a jar of peanut butter in a couple of days. And I would have a, a jar with my name on it so the kids weren't uh, dipping into the one. I just kept using the same spoon over and over again. But uh, <laughs> peanut butter really was a big part of my recovery. So good thing I love it and I'm not allergic to it. Oh, I um, love peanut butter. Oh, yeah, me too. I love peanut butter. Just like that, that, that just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sometimes yep. for breakfast when you're just, it just, oh, gosh. Cause, and of course, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm thinking about that movie. Um, this is not Stump the Strike Guy, by the way, but I'm thinking of the movie. Uh, St. Elmo's Fire, mm -hmm. uh, which was a terrible movie, but Mayor Winningham moves into her own apartment and then they ask how she likes living on her own. She goes, last night I made myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and it was my peanut butter and it was <laughs> my jelly and it was my apartment and it was the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich I've ever had in my life. Ooh, I quote that a good. lot if you know me, people. 
That was really good. That was really good. No, there oh, is something to be said. And I, uh, I'm a chunky peanut butter guy. I know there's always. Oh, a Oh, you know too. what? You're ticking me off today <laughs> with your boiled and your chunk. Make up your mind. I well, I mean, you if they made and mushier, you want them crunchy. Make up your mind. Well, that can happen both ways. If they, no one's ever made boiled peanut butter. We'll have to. Maybe I'll be the pioneer of that. I can't even imagine that. Anyway, of course, peanut butter is is such a such a giant industry, and you can get it all sorts of ways. And um, you know, I'm a big fan of the non hydrogenated version. And back even ten years ago, you always got the the kind that had like a layer of oil on there. Yeah, and it was yeah, yeah, the natural. And, yeah, and which is which is great. But they are now making uh, natural ones that are spreadable and creamy straight out of the jar without the absolutely skip yeah. yeah, skippy Jeff. The the big brands yeah, yeah. make a natural one now yep. with the with the oil on the top. Yeah, you can't go wrong. And it's it as an ingredient. I use it in hummus. I use it in salad dressings. It really is just, it's such a versatile thing. So as I mentioned, uh, Dothan, Alabama, because Dothan is the self-proclaimed peanut capital of the world, because why wouldn't they self-proclaim uh, the being the peanut capital? Because no one fact checks these things, right? And we had yeah, the same little, thing. Little with, Cyrus, Ohio action yep, there. We yep. are the bratwurst capital of the country. Well, um, we, we do. That's a little bratwurst so throwback if, you, if yes. you're listening. Bratwurst yep. throwback. Yeah, they, they, uh, two different people claim to be the Bratwurst capital of the world. Well, uh, Dothan, Alabama claims that they are the capital of the world, but actually they are really the capital in the U.S. because they grow over half of the United States, you know, total yield of peanuts right in, in a hundred mile radius around Dothan, Alabama. So would you care to guess roughly how many pounds that the U.S. produced last year of peanuts? Absolutely. I am going to say 60 tons. Well, I, I've got it in pounds. So let's see uh, how this goes. And actually, my notes, <laughs> my notes say 6.4 <laughs> billion pounds because I misspelled the word billion. So it's apparently oh, oh. 6.4 6 billion pounds. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> That's a lot. That, that is a lot. But yeah, at 6.4 billion pounds of peanuts in 2021, uh, half of which came from or in this area where I'm at in 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 L.A. as they refer to it, which is Lower Alabama, by the way. All right, everybody, Hans and I are going to pause for a second. Please pause. Okay, we're back. Um, Sixty tons is only a hundred and twenty thousand, so it's not even a hundred twenty thousand pounds. It's not even close to a billion. No, not even close to a billion. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how I messed that up, but. The, um, I mean, even your guess, though, seems like that's a ridiculous amount of peanuts, but uh, 6.4 billion pounds. And uh, so Dothan, again, being the, the national headquarters of peanuts, they throw a peanut festival. And I, I know how you and I both love a uh, food-themed uh, festival. And this is a two-week event that they do every November. And, of course, there's a peanut parade. There are rides. There's livestock shows. There's these agricultural displays on the new ways of farming peanuts. Uh, and of course, a food court with all sorts of peanut themed foods. Now, um, I have not seen an inflatable mascot, but there are plenty of big peanuts down here. Yay. Yeah. Uh, so there is a uh, um, this kind of an art installation in downtown Dothan called Peanuts on Parade. And there are 60 statues around town that are kind of like four and a half, five foot tall, big peanuts. Yeah. And you've yeah, seen this yeah. in other cities, right? They, you yeah, know, we did cows I, on parade here in Chicago, yeah. but it, those can't hold a candle to peanuts on parade. Peanuts on parade. And of course, there's all sorts of, you know, there's a there's one that's supposed to be like the mother peanut who's pushing a baby peanut in a stroller. And so all kind of fun uh, themes. There's I something. am there for that. Yeah. 
there's an Elvis peanut. There is a, a Dalmatian kind of snuggling up to a peanut fire hydrant. I mean, the uh, the whole <laughs> the whole gang is here in uh, in Alabama when it comes to oh, uh, love it. peanuts. But there is also a giant peanut, and I know how you like oversized food. I uh, love an oversized food sculpture and landmark. Well, so Absolutely. This one actually toured the country on the back of a big flatbed 18-wheeler uh, to kind of promote, you know, Alabama's uh, festival, but also their entire peanut market. Uh, but it is now permanent outside of the festival grounds uh, where they have the big peanut festival in Dothan, uh, and it is giant. But it is not the only giant peanut statue because back home in Georgia, we have one that is kind of modeled, modeled after a famous Georgian from a town called Plains, Georgia. Have you ever heard a guy from Plains, Georgia? Absolutely. I think everybody knows that President Jimmy Carter was a peanut farmer. He was a peanut farmer. And so they have a giant Jimmy Carter inspired peanuts, which has his sort of trademark uh, oversized incisors, right? He's got his-, his Yeah, yeah, you know, he got those big, yeah. big smile, big teeth. Big smile. And I just love the fact that President Carter, whatever your political stance, after his presidency, he has done so much for Habitat for Humanity. He is a- He's a uh, good human. He's a great human. And we honor this man's legacy by making a dumbass giant making a peanut. Big peanut. <laughs> he's a goober. I mean, he is a, he is a quite, he's a giant goober. Uh, but I, that has to make him proud. It would make me proud if I knew that someone had modeled a giant food uh, after me. So keep that in well, mind. Speaking of those kind of icons, the only thing that I'm talking about today, the only thing I'm talking about is Mr. Peanut. Mr. Get ready Peanut. for a deep dive into Mr. Peanut. Because I was like, I'm just going to mention Mr. Peanut. Oh, no, people. There is more Mr. Peanut information than you knew. So first of all, Mr. Peanut, of course, one of the most recognizable uh, advertising icons. He's also one of the earliest advertising icons. Hmm. Um, and we all know he represents Planters Peanuts. So we're going to be saying Planters Peanuts a lot. So Planters, if you're listening, you know, yep. maybe maybe a jar of, yeah. uh, of salted Two. cocktail nuts, not the Two. dry, not the dry salted ones. Mm, yeah. The dry roasted, not the dry oh. roasted. Does planters make uh, boiled peanuts? <laughs> you send me the boiled ones, send him the fried ones. Or the, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so planters was founded in 1906 by an Italian immigrant. This has kind of really surprised me. I would have thought it would have been uh, American, you know, mm -hmm. like a southerner, but it was an Italian immigrant named Amadeo Obici. He was a street peddler calling himself the peanut specialist, and he sold peanuts off of a horse and wagon. And so he had a business partner, another Italian, Mario Peruzzi. And uh, Peruzzi had developed his own method of blanching the whole roasted peanuts, and that did away with the shells and the skins. And oh, 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 I'm going to sidetrack here. Uh, I had a conversation with someone who messed up my entire head. Okay. Wow. Hans, what does a shelled peanut look like? You mean with the outer shell off? Usually there's two little little beans in there, but I, I don't know what it looks like right. as a... Right, it's got the outer shell off, right? Right, yeah. What does an unshelled peanut look like? What is it's an unshelled kind of a, peanut, Hans? Kind of like a, a figure eight. Like if you're looking at the number eight, the silhouette of a figure eight, kind of an hourglass. And it's pitch, in right? its shell, right? Correct, yeah, yeah. It's in its shell. Well, this person told me that that's backwards because when we have... A shelled peanut, we mean that had it has been unshelled. It has been taken out of its shell. Yeah. For example, if you get a gift and it is in the box, it is boxed. Right. And once you take it out of the box, it is You've un unboxed. You've but unboxed with peanuts, 
It's backwards. Oh, you're right. That's a good point. That if they are unshelled, they are still in there. And, and once you shelled. take them out, they're shelled. They're shelled. It, I'm, I'm reeling from this. Yeah, that is, that, that's totally backwards. Isn't that yeah. weird? Yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, together, uh, these guys, they built a factory in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania, and they were roasting and blanching and they were salting Virginia peanuts because Virginia peanuts are the general standard for our peanuts, as you were saying. Right. Um, and they had some great marketing, early cutting edge marketing. So in the 1910s, um, 1910s, retailers would have like this big planet planters nut tin and they would dole out your peanuts into a little with a little scoop and put it putting them into those little transparent bags those glassine mm -hmm. bags yep and they'd be a nickel a piece so that was kind of new using those bags that way and obichi would insert one letter of the alphabet into each bag of peanuts and if you got a letter that spelled if you got the letters that spelled out his name o-b-i-c-i you got a free bag of peanuts what? and later later he upgraded it that if you did it you got a gold watch Whoa. Yeah, but he found these watches for a dollar a piece. So oh, I mean, I would, did he, uh, were all, I'm just curious if they, all of the letters were evenly dispersed or if he maybe withheld like a rare letter so he didn't have to give any watches away. You know, it's kind of like- Yeah, I'm sure he did. It yeah. was a, do I mean, a dollar then was probably, you know, what do you think, 20 bucks? I don't know, yeah. whatever. Sounds um, good. We a could billion. pause and do it's that. A, it, was, it was a it's billion. billion. <laughs> it, was a, it was a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1916, he uh, ran a contest for logos for his peanut brand. And a 14-year-old from Suffolk, Virginia, drew this smiling peanut man with arms and legs, and he named him Mr. P, period, Nut Planter. Oh, okay. Now, the, the difference between planters then, like a planter is not, at that time, was not really considered the guy that's on his hands and knees in the dirt planting the peanuts. It would be the farm owner mm. you know yeah, okay. that, that he would be he would be a peanut planter right um anyway he was mr peanut planter so this kid uh antonio gentile he won the contest in five bucks so i was getting worked up because i'm thinking this kid made one of the most iconic logos of in history and he got five bucks but then i found another uh article that was saying that Obichi befriended him and his family, and he uh, paid uh, Antonio's college tuition as well as four of his siblings. And wow. uh, Antonio became a surgeon. Well, nice? that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He studied yeah. peanuts and he studied anatomy and he gave arms and legs to the peanut that had no arms and legs. Uh, I always wondered if Mr. Peanut was nearsighted or farsighted and what the monocle because was. Because of the monocle? Yeah. Yeah. That's usually for uh, near, at some near, point the in the logo's history, the monocle switched sides. Bet you didn't oh, know that. No, I did not know that. Because a commercial artist later refined that design and that he gave him the monocle and the top hat and the cane. And they gave Mr. Peanut a name, Hans Rufert. Did you know Mr. Peanut had a name? I I just thought he, he was Mr. Peanut. He has a first name you nope. mean? Like her no. He has a full no, he has a name name. Oh no, it's here. I, okay, yeah. Let's do it. Here's a quiz. Is Mr. Peanut's given name? Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell Odell, Bartholomew Richard Fitzgerald Smythe, Sylvester McMonkey McBean, or Oliver Bolivar Butt? Uh, I'm, I can't remember half of those, but they all sound like, uh, like fine choices. I'm going to go with the first one, A. Cornelius, is that the one? Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell Odell. Yeah. Um, no. The real one is Mr. Peanut's real name is Bartholomew Richard Fitzgerald Smythe with wow. a Y. Now, the other three are 
uh, characters from Dr. Seuss books, in, including oh. my very favorite from Too Many Daves, Oliver Bolivar Butt. That's what Nate, nice. Nate, Nate is uh, Elf on the Shelf. Every year we pull out Oliver Bolivar Butt, put him back on the tree. That's awesome. Um, so in, during the Great Depression, the uh, planters had a campaign called the Nickel Lunch. So they put the, you know, Mr. Peanut on the bags of peanuts and they were selling these bags for a nickel each. So they're saying, you know, during the depression, guys, you can get a nutritious lunch for a nickel. And I thought this was doubly interesting because at the same time, they're targeting a completely different demographic by introducing the cocktail peanut in a sealed tin. So they're positioning this unshelled peanut uh, as a working class poor lunch and the salted cocktail peanut as an upper class party staple. Now you just said they won on both. And so is it? I know I've confused you now, right? <laughs> you yeah, totally. I'm, I'm going me. back to the. I know I'm going to the traditional <laughs> unshelled okay. peanut means it is in its shell. Got it. Okay. In 1937, moving along, we got the Nutmobile. It's uh, right before the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Very close timeline, but the Nutmobile won, and it was this sporty roadster that looked like you were driving a a peanut. So kind of like picture an MG, it kind of looked like an MG that looked like a peanut. And there was a, a, a Mr. Peanut, a decorative standing Mr. Peanut kind of straddling the trunk in the back. Nice. But today there's a fleet of three 26 foot long nutmobiles. Wow. Is this a nutmobile? What, what is it? Or is it? I don't know that it says on the side. I mean, because you know, I, you know what? It might, I don't remember, but looking at it, you pretty much know it's a nutmobile. Sure. So they might yeah. not need to say that. That might be um, obvious. And that one has a sunroof so that Mr. Peanut can pop out in his costume and wave, which is, you know, more than that Pope gives us. <laughs> he doesn't pop out of his sunroof. Mr. Peanut will. Yep, that's true. And, you know, I just mentioned the Wienermobile. So another little side note, the, Wien the first Wienermo Wienermobile, it was uh, scrapped for metal during World War II. Oh, no. To make metal scrap for the army. Wow. And then they and then probably said that. Yeah. Fed them peanuts in the army too. So he was they doing did. his yeah, duty. Yeah, that there. they did. Yep. Oh, dude, perfect, perfect transition. Because the next no. thing I want to tell you is that Mr. Peanut went to war during World oh. War II. Wow. The Department of Agriculture used him. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, they used him to promote saving stamps and victory gardens. And there's this famous war poster. And of course, I'll put this on Facebook. If you're not putting us on Facebook, I, I don't even, I can't with you. I just can't. <laughs> I'll put this on Facebook. Um, it's a poster titled Mr. Peanut Goes to War. And he's like, he's he's kind of a buff peanut. He's beefier and he's looking really ticked off. He uh, He's in a helmet with a gun with a bayonet and, um, you know, no monocle because, you know, eye exams. Yeah, true, too, so. true. It messes with the so scope on your rifle, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you could use that. Okay. So Mr. Peanut went to war. Right, do you have anything to say, Hans? Uh, there was a, um, is this a segue into, uh, no, into, I just no, want to know if you no. have, I'm just waiting for the dad joke. I just, cause I knew it was coming. No, uh, you no, don't want to say I'm... that he came home shell shocked. You oh don't my say that? God. No, but I, I, I'm disappointed in myself because that's a brilliant one. Did you come up with that? Uh, no, sort of. did you, no. did you want to say that he, that he was assaulted at during war? <laughs> I Neither, mean, I, you're you going to pass up both of those. Man, both of those are excellent. That's uh, it's nuts that I didn't think of that. Uh, but yes, go. those are really good. 
All right, so that's the war. After the war, Planters opens about 100 Planters peanut shops. And I don't even really remember these, but they were they were shops just selling peanuts, you know, and, and memorabilia and gifts and sh- stuff like that. Right. Uh, by 1960, there was Planters peanut shops in more than 200 cities in the U.S., but hmm. they didn't all look alike. Remember, we talked about Howard Johnson's were you know, right. structured to all look exactly the same. They were all different. Some of them had... Uh, gorgeous neon signs or like huge standing alone Mr. Peanuts on the outside. So when I read that, I was like, oh, I remember this because when my college friends and I get together, if we're not quoting the movie Arthur, we're telling the same stories over and over again. It's basically what we do. And whenever we see Peanuts, somebody shouts, Peanuts! because that's a quote from Arthur, right. as I said. And then my friends Donna or Reagan will say, oh, do you remember the time that we saw Mr. Peanut dead on the highway? And it happens all the time. And they'll talk about how they were driving through uh, Cape Cod and it was after Hurricane Gloria and Mr. Peanut had been toppled on the road. And well, uh, you know, I bet I can get a photo of that. I think Reagan might have a photo of that. I would so, love to see that. Yeah. So back to the neon signs. Uh, the peanut shop in Columbus, Ohio is still around. And their sign even has a single light behind the monocle. They've got a really good neon sign. Uh, and it, uh, it turns on and off so it looks like he's winking. Nice. He's got uh, just a little bit of class there, Mr. Peanut, it seems like. Oh, he's right? got a he lot of like, class. He seems like he's an upstanding kind name, of a dude. He probably smart. drinks martinis uh, dirty with like a peanut pick or there or something. I mean, yeah. I just see him as being a man about yeah, town. That, yeah, that's him. You got it. Um, but the peanut shop in uh, Columbus, Ohio is closed right now. They're opening in November. Uh, they're doing extensive renovations to the exterior of the building, which is on the corner of 5th and 3rd. Um, they closed May 7th because the renovations meant that, you know, that they had to move the gas line, the roaster, and the dust house. I didn't know there was a dust house. But the own- owners, are they're utilizing the downtime to take a vacation. They're going west to visit Mount Rushmore and Yellowstone and to see family. Plus, the city is compensating them for the business loss, so their employees are still getting paid. But I don't know if any of them are going on vacation. So anyway, if you can't tell, uh, Pat and Mike put a lot of information on Facebook. <laughs> I was wondering, how do you know How do you know their vacation <laughs> schedule? No, Pat is like telling you everything. They're going to Yellowstone. So uh, Pat and Mike, I hope you're enjoying your, your trip to... Uh, uh, to Yellowstone nice. and family. Very nice. Um, <laughs> um, one other thing that they posted on Facebook is going to lead us right into Stop Straight Guy. Thank you. Nice. Thank you, Pat. Nice. Thank you, Pat, for this. Okay, so the peanut shop in Columbus, Ohio is practically next door to the Ohio Theater, and that's where a lot of the big Broadway tours come through. And I know this because Pat posted that you should come in at least an hour before each show to get your peanuts to eat while you're watching the show. And then on Sunday, March 27th, you should come early because they had tickets. So today's Stump the Straight Guy. Which Broadway musical national tour did Pat and Mike of the Peanut Shop in Columbus, Ohio see on Sunday, March 27th? <laughs> that is the most specific question you have ever asked in this entire <laughs> show in all 30 episodes or wherever we're at. You're asking me about people I don't know went to a show that I'm sure I don't know so uh wow it's not my fault it's not my <laughs> fault pat, pat set me up <laughs> well i hope okay, you're you contacting pat. You uh broadway this broadway musical is based on a richard Gere and julia roberts movie 
where Vivian, the Julia Roberts character, tells a sales clerk that she just made a big mistake. Big. Huge. Well, the only movie that I know with those two in there is also a great song by Roy Orbison. So is it Pretty Woman? It is Pretty Woman. Yay. Pretty Woman. <laughs> well, thank you, Pat. Thank you, Pat, for making it a slightly easy one for me, even though you didn't even realize you were participating. <laughs> so... So you and Nathan Lyon got last week's correct. You got the stump the straight guy where I spoke of Kit Kat Candy and the Kit Kat Club featured in Cabaret. Well, but I honestly, if you could listen to that episode and when I went back and listened to it, I can't say that Nathan gets credit for that because I laid up the rhymes with Cabernet, uh, Cabernet and he, uh, he still just kind of was silent there. So uh, you give him half a point. Listen, I was I was very generous because that's my I'm, I'm generous of soul. All right. So I'm still like really interested in these peanut stores. The stores used to have people in the Mr. Peanut costume walking around, uh, especially like in the in the uh, probably in the late 50s. They would walk around and they would hand out a couple of nuts to strangers and try to drive business into the store. So I found this article interviewing these two 80 year old guys, and they had both done it in the late 50s, early 60s. So back in 1958, this guy, uh, his name was Harold Richards. He was 17, and he went to the local peanut shop and asked the manager if any jobs were available. He was hoping to find, you know, maybe become a peanut roaster or, you know, a cook or something. But the manager was like, sure, kid, put on this peanut suit and get out there. Here's a bag of peanuts and a cane. Get the hell out. <laughs> so Harold Richards was tormented by the local high school kids. They would come and they would grab his bag of peanuts and run away. And there's Harold in this 30 pound peanut shell, just wow. kind of swiping blindly and swatting as children are running off, you know, trying to just knock one down with his cane. You know, they once, they once hung Harold Richards up on a parking meter. Wow. They picked him up and hung him up on a parking meter and he had to wait for a big man to come and pull him off. That is so there's no respect for the, uh, for the mascot there. no. Uh, the second guy I read about was his name was David Reese, and he also had the job, but he said he was never told to walk the streets handing out peanuts. And when they asked him why, he said it was because, quote, Mr. Peanut had no pockets. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I never thought about yeah. that. So that led me back to my friend Reagan, who saw the toppled Mr. Peanut, uh, because I called her yesterday. I said, remind me of that peanut story, because I wanted to remember, you know, what year it was and exactly where it was. It was in Swansea, Massachusetts. And she says, um, she goes, oh, you mean that my dad was Mr. Peanut? Whoa. And I was like, wait, what now? It's like, you're what now? And she goes, yeah, didn't I ever tell you that my dad used to dress up as Mr. Peanut and walk the streets of Patterson, New Jersey, handing out peanuts to bring people into the peanut shop? Oh, so everyone that's listening right now, six degrees of separation yeah, to a Mr. Yeah, that's Peanut. You, you know peanut royalty. I mean, you're like this close. You're adjacent to peanut royalty. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I do, have, uh, I do have one quote. This is my quote that I think should be um, put into a T-shirt. Go viral if viral, if quotes can go viral. Because I, so. I realized that uh, Mr. Peanut is basically the Monopoly man, but his nuts are placed vertically. <laughs> his, his nut is... Proudly on display as well. Yeah, but uh, you're right. It is the Monopoly Man. It's it's the food version of but the Monopoly Man. But his nuts are placed vertically. Yep. Very good. Very good. Right? All right. So there's so much more Mr. Peanut info I want to give, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to edit it. Uh, but I would briefly, I would tell you that he's British for some reason. Mm. 
I don't know why. Okay. Uh, he's always been silent, but there were two short stints where he was voiced by Bill Hader and by Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I could tell you how in the 1970s, a Vancouver performance artist ran for mayor as Mr. Peanut, and he got uh, almost 4% of the vote. Wow, that's impressive. I could tell you how badly doing all this research makes me want to become a hoarder. Because when you're looking at these kind of icons and you're coming across like these, just the fun stuff. Do you remember all of those like uh, pins we did when we were doing the um, uh, the Mitt Romney pins? What sure. was that? Jello. That we was the Jello, Jello episode. episode. Yeah. Just so fun. With this one, there's like Mr. Peanut pins from the 1934 World's Fair. They're wooden. They're so cool. Uh, and I found this Mr. Peanut grinder of the late 60s uh, and in the 70s. I think I used to have one of these. So it's a, a standing Mr. Peanut and you put the peanuts into his hat and there's a grinder on the side and peanut butter comes out. It grinds wow. the peanuts into peanut. It was a kid's toy. It was so cool. Uh, and it's still widely and affordably available on eBay. Mm. Nice. Uh, and I will not do a deep dive, but I would also have told you about how his sexuality is called into question because they had a, uh, a whole campaign where he suddenly had a little friend named Benson. Ooh. Benson was a, a shorter single nut peanut. <laughs> uh, and it, it, it got to be such a thing that the director of marketing came of planters came out and said, Benson is quite enamored of Mr. Peanut, but they are just good friends. He doesn't like him like that. Yeah, no, no. Sad. And it didn't stop the rumors. And they were still protesting. And the the uh, communications representative at Kraft Heinz, who now owns uh, Planters, she had to come out and say, while Mr. Peanut possesses many human like qualities, he is still a Lejeune with no romantic attachments. <laughs> or, you know, uh, or working anatomy parts for any, uh, you know, to get to second base. I don't know. Me thinks thou dost protest too much, Planters. And it didn't help that uh, Paul Rudnick, do you know him? He's a writer. He wrote Sister Act and the Adams yeah. Family movies. Yeah. Um, he wrote a New Yorker, New Yorker article in Mr. Peanut's Voice uh, saying, uh, I think it's time to tell the world that Benson and I will soon be adopting a jumbo cashew and a pair of Jordan almonds. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, this leads me to the, the literal end of Mr. Peanut because. Did you know that Mr. Peanut is dead? No, that's terrible. He is dead. Planters killed him off. So I'm sure a lot of people remember this because it was kind of recently. In the 2020 Super Bowl, Planters had an ad with uh, Mr. Peanut and Matt Walsh, the redheaded guy from Veep, and Wesley hmm. Snipes, if you want a weird trio. Uh, they're driving the Nutmobile, and they suddenly swerve off of a cliff to avoid hitting an armadillo. I did not make that up. Matt Walsh, Wesley Snipes, Mr. Peanut, Armadillo, off a cliff, not more. Wow. So the three of them end up hanging onto a branch over this cliff. Wesley and Matt are hanging on by their human hands and Mr. Peanut by his cane. And the branch is too heavy to support them all. So Mr. Peanut sacrificed his life to save them. And you watch him fall to the ground with this overhead shot, like right out of Die Hard, you know, as he's falling, you're watching him go. Wesley Snipes says, maybe he'll be all right. And then the nutmobile explodes in a ball of flames. And that was it? Well, the then they brought him back in another Super Bowl commercial where during his funeral, they had uh, the funeral was attended by the Kool-Aid man and Mr. Clean. As they're standing there over this peanut-shaped mound of dirt, the Kool-Aid man sheds a single tear and it drops on the grave and it nourishes the earth and a new peanut plant 
sprouts out and out pops a baby peanut in a top hat who says, I'm back. Where's my monocle? (laughs) So Enters says, this is not a resurrection or a reincarnation. Mr. Peanut's wisdom lives within the new baby peanut. Well, does he have a full name, I wonder, a given name? That's a good question because we know his full name is Bartholomew Richard Fitzgerald Smythe, but the new baby peanut is Bart. Bart. Okay, Just simply well. Bart. Cool. I had no idea. That sounds overly dramatic for a peanut commercial, but memorable for sure. It is. And with that, let's talk about some food. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. So I am so glad that we discussed uh, your dislove of uh, boiled peanuts at the beginning of of the show, because my recipe is all about boiled peanuts. It is not. not. It is. It is. It's not how to make boiled peanuts, but here it's how to make half of America hate you. (laughs) No, it's how to pander to the half that would love me. But the uh, you're so positive. I always try to get half full, but. So we call boiled peanuts the caviar of the South, right? So that really is a term here, the caviar of the South. And uh, I make a salad where I use fresh corn and shelled. You got me confused now on whether they are out of the part of the shell. Eat. Yes, they are out of the shell, boiled peanuts. Uh, so I'm using them in place of beans. Now, I did this for a cooking demonstration. Everybody loved them. Even the doubters loved it. Because, again, if you take your brain away from the fact that it's a peanut – it is, it's like a bean salad. And I actually looked and the, there's a magazine called Garden and Gun, which you might be familiar with. Uh, very popular. <laughs> I'm a subscriber. Oh, good. So yeah, Garden yeah. and Gun uh, put out their version of a caviar of the South salad, which was very similar Garden, to the one. Just give me the bullet points. <laughs> there you go, the bullet points. Well, the one that I did for this uh, cooking demonstration, I never actually wrote the recipe down as I often do not. Um, but this one that they do is a uh, southern caviar salad that has a bacon dressing with the boiled peanuts and the fresh corn, and it is delicious. So I will I will share that on the website, and uh, even you, my friend, I think would like this salad if you didn't know it was boiled peanuts. Well, I like the bacon dressing part, so yeah, I would I would okay. taste it. I would I, I would taste it absolutely. Um, so I just kind of you're not going to believe how simple I went this week. Uh, peanut butter whiskey is a thing now. It's mm-hmm. kind of like an up and coming. Um, now it's a lot of these like flavored vodkas and that kind of stuff that you know I, I have no time for because they're just artificial flavors put into a spirit. But peanut butter whiskey is uh, it's lower proof than authentic whiskey. It's made with peanuts and peanut oil, so it's actually you know infused with it. So I bought a bottle because uh, I hadn't had it before and tasted it. And it's really, I, I kind of liked it. It's a little sweet, kind of savory. It's kind of kind of a creamy mouthfeel, uh, but it still tastes of whiskey. It's like, it's just like peanut buttery with the whiskey uh, punch at the end. And probably the most popular brand. Do you, do you know any brands, Hans? Well, I've tried one. I, I, was, I got a little sample version of one uh, called Screwball that has kind of a sheep on the front, I think. Yeah, Screwball uh, with and- a K. That's the one I bought too. It was good. Right? Yeah, I liked it. Uh, it's a husband and wife team out of California. Um, now, I you could like put it in Bailey's. You could put it into a splash of coffee or apple cider. It would actually be really tasty in a white Russian. But uh, it was originally meant as, as a shot. So I wondered, like, I said, I'm going to go really, really simple with this, which I never do. And I thought, what would it, how about just a highball? What about like a peanut butter and jelly? 
what if I just a highball for those of you who who don't know would be um, your spirit and a mixer. So a vodka soda is a highball. A rum and coke, a screwdriver, you know, vodka and orange juice. Those are highballs. So I thought I was going to try it. I was afraid that grape juice would make it too sweet, so I bought grape juice as well as cranberry juice because I thought the tartness would help. And honestly. Um, I really liked it with the grape juice. I bought a non-sweetened grape juice, just plain grape juice, not a grape juice uh, blend or one of those grape juice co cocktails. It's just, you know, grape juice. So I did two ounces of the whiskey to only three ounces of the grape juice. So uh, kind of a close ratio there. And I put it on ice and I sat on my front porch on my rocking chair and I sipped it last night and waved at the neighbors and it was a treat. That sounds good. And totally nothing that you would expect me to drink, right? Yeah, and, and honestly, really I'm a treat. same here. Sometimes the flavored things are trying so hard to be that thing that it just overpowers everything. But that's what I was surprised me about the screwball is it didn't just taste like I was licking a spoonful of peanut butter. It had some had some depth to it. So again, I got a little Whiskiness, sample of it, right. and, but I definitely will try it with the with the grape juice, because man, now I, I have to ask you, since you brought it up, what flavored jelly is your go-to in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Is it grape? Oh yeah, it is grape. Although I, I can be swayed, but yeah, I'm kind of traditionalist grape. Well, I, uh, as you know, with my fig obsession, uh, fig jam on a peanut butter sandwich is awesome. It is absolutely awesome. I'd eat awesome. that. Yeah, I'd eat good. that. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you. So if you want these recipes, um, if you want some Southern caviar along with a peanut butter and jelly drink on your front porch, go to our website and get the recipes, budidigestpodcast.com, or email us at budidigestpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook and Instagram is budidigestpodcast, and Twitter is at budidigestpod. Also on our website, you're going to find a link to Hans's line of spices, as well as a link to download my cocktail book, The New Old Bar. As always, special thanks to our web designer, Hewitt Rabel, to our editor, Natalie DeChico, special music by Corey Goodrich, and our theme music is by Brian Reyes. Hansel, what have you been up to this week? Well, so yeah, nobody ever asked, uh, nor, nor did I think to say why I'm in Alabama. I mentioned I was uh, out traipsing through the peanut fields, but I am in Alabama for a pickleball tournament, which you've probably uh, heard people talking about pickleball. But this one is a giant one. We had 300 and uh, almost 370 people registered, and we have raised over $20,000 for the Gastric Cancer Foundation. So I am wow. stupid proud that uh, this little wow, hobby fund you should be. Yeah, this started as a pickleball, as a recovery kind of uh, physical therapy for me, a uh, former tennis player. I fell in love with it. I've met some amazing people. It's such a great community. And the fact that all of these people came together, of course, to play, but also to raise some money. And 20 grand is a lot of peanut butter sandwiches, uh, but it'll also do a lot of good for uh, for gastric cancer research and patients and awareness. So uh, I'm excited. I'm happy to be in, in L.A., lower Congratulations. Alabama. Uh, and to raise some money for the GCF. So as always, if you're enjoying the show, help us, uh, leave a rating, tell your friends. Are we done here? We are done. Go make a peanut butter and uh, fig sandwich. Trust me. Awesome.